I am Mike Cadlick from CLNS, joined by my partner, Alex Barnes from 98.5 Sports Hub. Alex, it's been less than 24 hours since we've been off these airwaves, and we I already feel like we have so much to get to. It, yeah. really, you've said it a million times. It really is an off-season show here, and I'm excited. Patriots are headed to Vegas tomorrow. Um, Alex Barth will be alongside them to coach the Shrine Bowl. Um, they announced their <laughs> rosters today. They announced their rosters today. I'm, I'm sorry. They announced their coaches today. They announced the yep. rosters last week. So we're going to break down both of them. Um, before we get into the Shrine Bowl, though, I want to just put a bow on Bill O'Brien a little bit for now. Sure. Uh, he's obviously going to be out there coaching. But I've talked about, and I want to get your opinion on this. I've talked about on the show, and I've talked about um, over text with you and things like that, just how I've been down this Bill O'Brien rabbit hole on YouTube finding clips of him. I talked about it last week with the way he was scheming up plays for DeAndre Hopkins. And I talked about it last night when he uh, did his whole Haas Y juke scheme up and just how I didn't think Patricia uh, would be doing that, etc. So I've been down this rabbit hole. He keeps popping up on my YouTube. And so I come across another one. And I love, I love the teapot. I think Bill O'Brien is going to be outstanding and I'm, I'm loving it. And so I come across this clip today on YouTube and I tweeted it. If you want to check out the full, um, the full quote, but it's Bill O'Brien talking about what he wants in a quarterback. And he always tells these coaches in these teach tape videos, like, look, you just need to find your identity and what works for your team. He's not necessarily teaching his identity, but he's saying you need to find something and stick to it. So O'Brien talks about his half dues in a quarterback. And this is what he says he needs in his quarterback for his scheme to work. And he says his quarterbacks have to be three things. They have to be able to throw the ball accurately. They have to be able to make good decisions and they have to be intelligent with a great football IQ. And he added so to Mac that. Jones. So that's what I was going to ask you, Alex. So he adds to that, that as, as a part of all those characteristics from your quarterback, he also adds that you as a coach, as an OC and as a quarterback's coach, you have to train your quarterback and help them develop that great football IQ. I read that, I read those three things, and I read that last part from what he's saying. And I just think those three are Mac Jones, and it's what Mac Jones did not receive last year from this coaching staff. Uh, this went you know, across the Twitter sphere today. I got a lot of responses. Some people said, this is Mac Jones. Some people said, so this is not Mac Jones. So I want to get your I want to get your reaction to this. Because I thought this was, again, it's it it perfectly sums up, I think, what Mac Jones is and what he lacked last year from the coaching staff. So I think it sums up what Mac Jones should be and Mac Jones can be. It's not who Mac Jones was last year, obviously, but you get to that last part. The coaches need to support the quarterback in growing. A lot of Bill O'Brien's offense is pre-snap. He's yep. going to put in all these different options and things and protections and hot calls. And it's basically up. He gives the quarterback an answer to pretty much any defensive look. It's just up to the quarterback to decipher what the look is and call it out correctly. If the quarterback can do that, it's a, it's a nearly impossible offense to defend. Now, you need a quarterback that can and will call that out on a regular basis, and that's that's working with the quarterback and all of that. So in that sense, like, Mac's a perfect fit. It's just they've got to get on the same page, and you have to hope that Mac's confidence isn't too shot from what happened last year to go up to the line and make these calls. We talked last year. We would get asked all the time, why doesn't Mac have more say at the line of scrimmage? It's not... I think people misunderstand how like audibles and hot routes work because they see what it is in Madden. You can't, yeah. and, and like I, you wouldn't know this unless you are around the game the way we are. 
you can't get up to the line, realize you don't like the call, and then call a completely different play. It doesn't work like that. Right. Like, the, as much as people think the play calls are the secret, they're, if you go through an entire play call at the line of scrimmage You're going to sound loud, like Belichick right now with the Patricia thing, and you're going to say, the play call doesn't matter. It's only the execution. No, no, but, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, okay. and Mike, you played quarterbacks. So like, you can probably back me up on this. If you were to go up to the line as a quarterback and say, I don't like this play, I'm calling a completely different play, and you actually went through vocalizing the play call out loud, the defense is probably going to pick up, like, there's going to be enough information in there in a full play call for the defense to know what's coming. Am I right? Yep. Like, you can't go up there and all, you can't go up there and go from, you know, trips left, Haas wide, juke, X, whatever, and I'm I'm just making stuff up here to like, you know. Certain words just universally mean certain things. And the deep, there's a reason you huddle up and you do it quietly. There's right. a reason that when teams go hurry up, it's usually hand signals and multiple plays are called ahead of time in the huddle. So, you know, everybody knows play one, two, three, four, and five. You're just, again, this right. is sort and of at that point, but at that point, all you're really going to end up changing is protection and maybe a hot route or two. Right. So those are hand signals in the moment, but you can't just go up and change the whole play. Right. Correct. So what an audible and a hot route really is. You see quarterbacks do this all the time, right? They go to the helmet, alert, alert, alert. We see Mac do that a lot. Tap on the side of the helmet, call out alert. What that is, there were two plays called in the huddle. The alert means we're running, we're not running the first play, we're running the second play. You get to the line, if you don't like the and normally one's a run, one's a pass. Sometimes it can be two of each, it depends on the situation. Um it hot routes are kind of the same thing. Like certain plays are coupled with certain options, certain audibles. You like when the quarterback calls hot, there's an assignment that comes with that. He's not just telling the receiver, hey, run a hot route. And then like, cause again, what's he going to, what's he going to do? Say slant. The defense yeah, right. knows what that is. The code words, like at a certain point, it's going to be deciphered. So what Bill O'Brien's ought to bring it back to Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien what he does maybe the best, maybe his best trait is installing as many of these go-tos as possible pre-snap. The quarterback has so much available to him pre-snap to adjust when he breaks the huddle and gets to the line compared to maybe some other offenses. And this was something at the same time that Matt Patricia's, I don't want to say had none of, but had none of, okay? Right. Like, so... This is, to me, where you maximize Mac Jones. He came in as that guy that can read the defense, that can make all these adjustments, is this very cerebral quarterback. Now you're going to put him in a very cerebral offense that if he makes the right read before the snap, there's a very, very high chance the play is going to be successful because it's all just quick release and stuff like that. So to to go back to your point, and like Bill O'Brien's checklist, that's why his checklist looks like that because he designs an offense around it and Mac Jones is a guy who that's everything he's supposed to do well. And he did well in 2021. Didn't do it well last year, but to what extent did he have it available to do? Right. Now, here we go. He's a coach. How many times I said this, Mike, maximize the skill set, find a system that maximizes the skill set. Bill O'Brien's offense is made to maximize Mac Jones skill set. I'm with you. I, and I, again, I just, it's, it makes sense. You bring this guy in. He he thinks that these are the, you know, again, the three things you need to have. It right. It, it doesn't mention a strong arm. It nope. doesn't mention the ability to break the pocket and run 50 yards downfield for nope. a first down. 
It doesn't mention uh, hurdling guys like one Josh Allen up in Buffalo. It's you need it above the shoulders. Quarterback is and always has been an above the shoulders position. It's and so so now the next part becomes you need other players who can fit this system. And I think they do have some guys in place who can do it, but because kind of what I'm saying, all right, so why wouldn't every team just run that? It sounds easy enough. And why are these other teams running the right? So like to get to your point, now you've got to find, this is why like a guy like Julian Edelman works so well. Cause he, he was here under O'Brien. Like he Mm -hmm. was drafted in the O'Brien era. McDaniels had left. He was a quarterback in college. Like he gets this, right? That's why Jacoby Myers is good at what he does. That's why Travis Kelsey's good at what he does in Kansas city. They know how to dictate. They know how to read coverage and get open for their guys. But specifically in this offense, you're looking for guys around him and it's on the offensive line too. And every, and they don't have to have been a quarterback, but there's a premium on football IQ. And and this is where guys like David Andrews come in. This is where guys like Michael and Wenu come in. Um, uh, a guy like Kendrick Bourne, who I, I think we sleep on how well he understands what he's looking at from a defense. Um, and of course, Mac Jones. Yep. It should be good, Alex. They're getting right after it. And uh, as a transition into their coaching staff, where they are now, yesterday it's reported that they hired Bill O'Brien. The Patriots don't actually put Was that out a yesterday? Was that actually yesterday or was it two days it was, ago? It was yesterday morning. It has been a long couple yeah, it of has. days. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. just what just is... yesterday morning. Wow. Did yeah. Monday even because it feels like a, a Thursday to me. Yeah, it's because we're on the show. But it's really Wednesday. No, but it's felt like a Thursday all day. So what okay. what happened Monday? Monday was a holiday. No, it wasn't. Monday last week Monday was a holiday. because uh, there was nothing, a story on Monday. Did nothing happen. I don't happen think anything happened Monday. I think that's why we pushed the show till today. Wild. All right. Or right. till till Tuesday. But so yeah. Not much happened Monday, but we've had a rapid 48 hours. And uh, a transition, the coaching staff was officially announced for the Shrine Bowl for the Patriots. We haven't talked much Falcons. I don't know if you want to get into their roster at all. They'll be able to work with them a little bit. But let's talk Patriots coaches because... I want to get into some of the players the Falcons are going to be coaching. We don't don't need to get into the Falcons coaches. I like Arthur Smith. Love Dean Pease. That's my thought on the Falcons coaching staff. Shout out Dean Pease. So, for Patriots coach Dean Pease... Right? Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he might have been here with O'Brien, actually. That might yeah. have been... I forget what years he was here. That might that have been was the after OCBC Cornell. Combo. I think it was after Cornell before Patricia. He he was... Okay, he overlapped one year with, with O'Brien, took over... In, oh, no! He did overlap with Patricia, not as coordinators. But he came in 04, and Patricia came in 06, and Pease left in 09. So, okay. a little overlap there. Anyway. Yep, so, anyway, Patriots coaching staff. Uh, it was announced today, and there are three coaches in a supervisory role. They are Bill Belichick, Gerard Mayo, and Bill O'Brien. So the East-West Shrine Bowl actually announced that Bill O'Brien's a part of the staff before the actual Patriots team did, which the I Patriots find... have not. We should still be putting reported on all of yeah, this. Technically, technically we should, but he's going to be out there. He's headed to Vegas tomorrow. Um, the rest of the offensive coaching staff. Well, Troy Brown's going to be the head coach. I found that interesting. Ross Douglas is going to be the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach. Um, And then on defense, Mike Pellegrino and Brian Belichick are going to be co-DCs. Pellegrino is going to work with the D-line. Brian Belichick is going to work with the linebackers. So We'll we'll get into the positional coaches a little bit too, but having said that, Brian Belichick is usually a a safeties coach, and he's working with the backers. And Pellegrino is a uh, secondary coach as well, and he's working with the D-line. So they've done a lot of shuffling around with the 
Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or, or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Well, hang on. Let me let me put a pin in that real quick. Yeah. So originally we thought that Steve Belichick wasn't going because he there was right. a report that he's expecting to have a kid, and then it comes out it was an oversight from the Shrine Bowl. So take a look there at, at all of it, and this goes into the 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 support coaches as well. That second tier, the yeah. the bottom of the. Uh, what did Felger call it today? Like the mafia family chart yeah. or whatever. The, yeah. the mob, the, the, the looks the, like the, whatever. Yeah. I forget the term he used. It was Me great. Too. Um, Cause it does sort of look like that, but yeah, they look like mug shots. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Steve's not on there. Right. Bill's on there as a D uh, uh, Brian is Brian. on there as a DC and linebackers coach. Now, Steve is a DC and linebackers coach. Brian is a safeties coach. And if you look, Mike, there is a cornerbacks coach. I believe it's Vangelo Bentley is listed as the cornerbacks coach. There is no safeties coach. So I don't know this. It's not a report. I'm just putting two and two together. Reading the tea leaves. Where Brian Belichick is on that chart should be Steve. And then they forgot to put Brian on the second slide because they already had him checked off on the first slide. That is my guess. I'm not reporting anything. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm sure That's we'll get a clarification from them, but yeah, there's no safeties coach. And the guy who usually is the safeties coach is listed in the position of the guy who was left off. So, so the only thing I'll say um, that might go against that is the yeah. fact that there is this mass shuffling of positional assignments. Everything's like, scrambled. Okay. Like Evan Roth scenes with the running backs, Sun Series with the wide receivers. He's usually with the backs. And unless... Unless there's a trickle down from all of their mistakes and Sanceri is actually supposed to be with the running backs and they just screwed everything else up. Who knows? But Steve and Brian Belichick will be out there. It was an oversight. I put it out there this morning that I, I thought it was interesting that Belichick wasn't there, but or Steve Belichick wasn't there. It turns out he will be there. So he's honestly the one guy of the four guys who aren't there. He's the one that I really don't care that he's there or not. I don't think there's anything reading into it. The other yeah. three are the interesting ones. Yeah, so Joe Judge, uh, Matt Patricia, and Nick Cayley yeah. will not be making the trip out there. What are your thoughts? All right, let's do Cayley first because he's kind yeah. of the easier one. Yep. They this might is been have been as much he said no as to them as they said you're not going because right. he's remember he interviewed for that Jets OC OC job. Yep. What happens if he goes to this and then while he's there the Jets call him for a second interview? So. To me, he's serious about potentially not being here next year on his right. end. Sure. As for Patricia and Judge, that's coming from the Patriots because yeah. it would be very easy. What's the term they use again? The the supervisory role. Right. It would be very easy to put one of them in a supervi- supervisory role, right? That's kind of been the, the the prevailing thought, at least with Patricia, is he's going back upstairs. Yep. He's going back up. And, and a guy that's upstairs, you put in that supervisory role. Now... I should say this doesn't mean he's not making the trip because it's not like they list the scouting department on there. Right. 
So it will be very interesting to see if he shows up. But what this tells me is it's a very... I'm not ready to jump to the point yet that he has been let go. Or not let go, but not... He needs a contract. That he won't return, yeah. Right, right, that he won't return. I'm not ready to get to that point just yet because we could get there for the first practice on Saturday and he's standing there with the scouting department. Like, I wouldn't rule that out. That but would be a fun tweet to monitor. What this does... Well, I'll have it for yes, you if it will. happens. One way or the other, I'll tell you guys. But <laughs> what this does tell me is... He's not a part of the coaching staff. Correct. He, the, the whole, we'll move him back to defense, linebackers coach. If you promote Mayo, is he going to stay as the offensive line coach? Is he going to have a role on offense? Nope. He is off the coaching staff. Same for Joe Judge. Like that's what this, and, and Judge kind of the same thing applies. Now there's a lot less precedent for kicking him upstairs. Right. I don't, he wasn't the GM in New York. I think Matt Patricia was. Or if he wasn't, no, he, he had... was with, it was the guy, the Bob Quinn was there. As okay, their, but yeah. he had personnel say, like he had yeah, much sure. more personnel it say works, than Judge It works did. like this, yes. Yeah, um, and he was upstairs in 2021. Patricia was here. Right. So I don't know, like with Judge, it's a little tougher to read or it's a little easier to read. Like he's not a coach and I don't know where else they're going to put him. He might just be right. gone. Yeah. But in, in the Patriots don't usually fire people. You just don't come back. Yeah. They don't announce, hey, we're... And again, the soft season is different, but they generally don't announce if they don't need to, right? If the contract's expired, yeah. Hey, we're not re-signing this guy. They're just he's gone, right? We'll we'll see. He's signed somewhere else, if anywhere. Well, that's with what's Pat interesting. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say with Patricia, it's still up in the air. Well, that's right, still up in the air with Patricia. And the other interesting part is Cam Accord, former special teams coach or the special teams coach in theory, is still on staff and he is making the trip out to Vegas. He is listed as a supervisor of the special teams, where Joe Houston is listed as a special teams coach. So, so I don't that, know where those would technically tier, whether a cord would be above that, but it sounds like one of those guys will be the special teams coach for this team. I don't know if they're going to keep it with a cord, but it's not Joe Judge. That's what that's what I can tell. It's not Joe Judge. Here. It's not going to be Joe Judge, and that's what a lot of us speculated. Here's Here's what I would tell you is – so they do have assistants listed on here, right? Assistant offensive line coach, Billy Yates. Assistant defensive line coaches, Joe Kim, Keith Jones. They have Cam Accord as a supervisor, which is similar to the role they have Belichick, Mayo, and O'Brien at. Those are your coordinators, your head coach and your coordinators, right? I wonder if they just didn't put Joe Judge on the first graphic. And it's as simple as, as graphic design because... They could have made him special teams assistant. Like, and Joe Houston, who's usually his assistant, like... You mean Cam Accord, not Joe Judge. Cam Accord, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, Sorry. okay. No, that's fine. They did a lot of names. A lot of names flying yes. out. I, I don't think they, like... Cam Accord's listed as that special team supervisor where Mayo, O'Brien, and Bill are all also listed as supervisors. I think it's just graphic design. He didn't end up on the same spot on the graphic. Zoe said today he doesn't believe Cam Accord's getting fired. I tend to believe Zoe when he says those things. Yeah, me too. I've kind of given my spiel on this. I am. I like Cam Accord. I really do. I find him fascinating to talk football with. He he just he has a passion for the game. He has a deep understanding for the game. But somewhere between, and I think he's a great teacher. But there's a gap somewhere between teaching it. Like coaching is about teaching. Right. Coordinator, there's another level to it. It's more administrative. Right, you have to get you have to actually come up with the plan, put the plan together, 
and that there, there's a disconnect at that point and the results back it up. They've been right. bad on special teams the last two years. So I, based on like, I understand why they like him. Right. Based on the results. I, I, I can't imagine they like him that much, but I am at the point now it's been long enough that he's still here and maybe he gets a new role. I don't know what it would be, but like we can now Patricia and judge being left off this, especially judge kind of like I said before, we can now legitimately start asking, have they been, are they no longer a part do of their, their key, do their key cards still work? Do their key cards one, still work? Yeah. Are they Jamal Adams? Right. Right. Accord's still in the building. He's still going to be in the building. I, I Somebody asked, and you know, th- these questions come up, and, and especially the way I describe them, wouldn't Accord be better as an assistant special teams coordinator, essentially a coach? Yep. Because that's what he's good at. Yeah, in a perfect world, he becomes a special teams assistant, but you're asking a guy to, to willingly take a demotion, and you know there's a pay cut that's coming with that. Right. Why is he going to do that? He'll go get work somewhere else. He's been in New England. He'll go be a special teams coordinator in college. Like, he'll be fine. Right. He doesn't need the Patriots that bad. So that would that would be a perfect world, but I just think you can't demote a guy like that. He's either your special teams. I think he's either your special teams coordinator or he's not here, and it seems like he's going to be here. Unless they're moving him upstairs, or I don't know, Joe Judge was special teams coordinator, then they made him wide receivers coach. So yeah, I mean, who knows what role they're going to put Cam Accord in, but I think he's here. I think so too. I, again, the perfect scenarios seemed like it would be put judge back where he belongs and let accord either like you said be an assistant or let him you know go elsewhere and find work but it seems now like joe judge really did overstay his welcome here and he didn't do the right thing on offense with the quarterbacks room and it showed and they basically want him and patricia to just disappear they're probably not going to say anything about it you're going to ask belichick about it in the offseason he's going to say their contracts expired and that's probably all that's going to happen because they don't want to get into it. They don't want to admit they're wrong. So we'll see what happens. But again, those that's your coaching staff. Um, I like Belichick, Mayo, and O'Brien in those supervisory roles. It, there's there's much more of a hierarchy in this coaching staff than I've, I have seen from them really since McDaniels left. It felt like on the offensive side of the ball, it was there was no coordinators. It was Bill's operation on the offense. It was Judge and Patricia kind of just waiting in the wind, sort of being co-coordinators, I guess. And then on defense, it was Mayo and Steve who didn't really have an assigned place either. Now there's clearly a head coach, a head coach of the defense, and a head coach of the offense, and I think that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, No, it's that organizational flow chart, right? It feels like it's back. Right. Um, So that's the coaching staff. Let's go position by position, Alex. Through the Shrine Bowl rosters, we'll talk about a bunch of guys from each position. Sorry, can, we, can we get one more note in on the coaching staff? This is kind of a small one, it. but I, I think it's important. Yep, hit it. Uh, Troy Brown's going to be the head coach. Ross Douglas is the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Yep. Those are like, it, it's the Shrine Bowl roster, but like in theory, if you're building a staff, offensively, yep. those are the two, the, the two most important roles. You know, head coach is an offensive guy and then OC and quarterbacks coach. Mm-hmm. We went through that window. I mean, we're talking about last week, a week ago today. They interviewed Sean Jefferson. They interviewed Keenan McCardell. Are they going to do something different at receiver? It's Troy Brown's job in jeopardy. And, and Troy Brown's the wide receivers coach. Ross Douglas was the assistant. He was also the guy they were sending to all the big name wide receiver pro days last year. Like I remember he was working with Jahan Dotson. 
at Penn State. He was working like directly working with George Pickens at Georgia. Like he was hands-on for a lot of that. These are their two wide receiver guys. And they are front and center in the offensive operation at the Shrine Bowl. That tells me like, I was kind of wondering over the last week, how exactly do they feel about these guys? They're bringing in Sean Jefferson, Keenan and Cardell. Right. I, whatever that was, I, I, I would, I don't think it's like worth reading into clearly, or, or maybe, maybe they were wondering and they talked to the other guys and they didn't get them. And they said, all right, these are our guys going forward. We got to stand behind them. So we know they're high on Ross Douglas. I understand why in terms of he played at Rutgers in Michigan. He played both running back and linebacker. It gets back to that thing where a good coach can coach any position. He has experience on both sides of the ball. Like Matt Patricia. Right, but a guy who actually played on both sides of the ball and yeah. has now been, I believe he started off, I don't remember start off as a linebackers or corners coach his first year here. And then last year he moved to wide receivers. He's been here two years and now we'll see where he goes. But, and then obviously Troy Brown is Troy Brown. He doesn't need me to read his resume, but it does feel like they are pretty strongly behind those two guys now when it didn't necessarily feel that way last week. Right. I'm with you. And when it came out too that Troy Brown was going to be the head coach of this team, I was like, oh, well, they are going to stick around with him because, and it felt like, it felt like, like you said, at one point, the guy they bring in would have a potential to bring in their own staff. And look, I think if O'Brien wants someone here, he's probably going to get it, but it looks like they're going to move forward with at least Troy Brown and probably Ross Douglas uh, in similar positions, working with the offense. And uh, they're just going to have an actual competent guy running the entire thing in Bill O'Brien. So that's your staff. Uh, they're headed out there tomorrow. And let's get to the rosters. We'll go position by position. We'll go offense offense first, then defense. But before we get into that, I do want to quickly shout out our friends at HelloFresh, Alex. It's HelloFresh.com slash beat21. You get 21 free meals. It's a new year. We've all got those New Year's goals. And HelloFresh is here to help us achieve them. Skip the grocery score the grocery store and take control of your time and budget with these delicious recipes delivered right to your door. If you're looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year, you can cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how fast, easy and affordable it is to whip up restaurant quality meal right in your kitchen. Skip the snowy schlep to the grocery store and stock up on HelloFresh today. Simply add items to your weekly order and they'll arrive at your doorstep along with your meals. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash Pat's beat or excuse me. HelloFresh.com slash Beat21. Use code Beat21 and you'll get 21 free meals and free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash Beat21. Use code Beat21 for those 21 free meals and free shipping. All right, it's Shrine Bowl time. Yeah, here we go. This is, here this we is go. the beginning of, I, I always say this, the, the draft at the end of the day is a numbers game. We are sorry to steal your thunder, Mike, but just to no. set this up because this is, this is really this the, is your show too, baby. Let's get this it. This is the beginning of the Patriots beat draft coverage. I I know that's why a lot of people watch this show. Like they watch this show for the draft stuff. Yep. More necessary than anything else. It, and it's not that's not something I take lightly. It's not. I, I want to deliver for you guys. So the end of the day, the draft's a numbers game. The not every player we say we are saying the Patriots are gonna take, but <laughs> The more players you're aware, like people always ask me, how do, how do I follow the draft? Like I, it's so much. And where do I start? Yep. I would say pick a, pick a team, pick a player, pick a conference and just go right. All right. I'm going to look for instance, Bryce young. I'm going to look at Bryce young. I'm going to learn a little bit about Bryce. Young. I'm going to read about him for 10 minutes. I'm going to watch him. 
all right, now I have a baseline. Let's see who's the next quarterback. And just look at the consensus boards or whatever. If right. you just need names, right? Or, or just look at people's rankings or whatever. All right, I learned about Bryce Young. And then you can go, all right, well, now I want to see some other quarterbacks because to see how it stacks up. Or, oh, I want to see some other Alabama players. I like what I saw. And then you get into the Alabama players. Oh, I like this Alabama wide receiver. But, oh, yeah, this interesting matchup with this corner. Let me, And you just kind of build it out. It's a numbers game because what the draft is really all about is how the players relate to one another. And, and what I mean by that is right. X player is good or X player is bad doesn't mean anything. There are guys that one year are like, okay, this year is a, a perfect example. Last year to this year, Kenny Pickett was the top quarterback on the board last year. First round pick. If you put him in this class, second or third round pick probably. Yeah. Just because it's all relative. Fifth or sixth so guy, right. It's all about just getting as many players as you can in the data bank. And then you just sort of say, oh, all right, I, I think this guy's ahead of this guy. I think this guy's ahead of this guy. Don't try to do it overall. It becomes very hard to compare corners to offensive tackles. Like you can just go by. Big position, boards are tough. Big boards are tough. Big, you can't you really can, have a big board. I do. So I just, I do a, like my big board is essentially like, 15 big boards at all separate positions. That's how sure. I do it. Yep. Um, but so when we do this, like, I don't want to say we're just throwing names against the wall, but this is sort of the, we're diving right in. Let's just start familiarizing yeah. ourselves with these prospects. I know a lot of people who watch this show already know, maybe are, are familiar with the top 50. We've talked about some of these guys before, but this is really in, in what we're going to start tonight and do over the next few months is basically just, how many of these guys can we familiarize ourselves with? And then when we know, once once we get a good base, it becomes, well, all right, they can get this guy in the second, but there's this other guy in the second who they can't get a comparable player, but the first player, maybe they can get a comparable player in like the fourth or fifth. That's what this whole thing is. That's how, yep. I feel like we don't explain the process enough. And then people hear us throw out 200 names and think, well, these guys don't know anything. They're just saying the Patriots will draft every player. That's right. not what we're doing. We'll do our mock drafts. Those are more narrowed down. But right now, we're just trying to familiarize everybody with the board. All right, sorry. Exactly. Mike, no, I'm with it. I, it. It's a good refresher for me, too. I've been watching yeah. this show before interning at CLNS. Now I'm here. I'm in the host chair. First draft season. Let's get it. It's, it's how Let's I've handled it. drafts, too. I've been a big NFL fan for forever. I've been yeah. following the draft since I was, you know, middle school, high school. So, it's again, that's what it's all about. You got to recognize names. Give yourself a quick scouting report. Know a few attributes about a guy and sort of how he relates to the next guy. And again, it's not easy. You got to, again, you got to retain a lot of information about these guys. But once you start putting, you know, faces to names and some film and know what they're all about, that's all, that's, that's exactly, that's the game here. So yeah, uh, let's do it. Let's talk quarterbacks. So Patriots in Vegas will be working with Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's a quarterback out of uh, UCLA. And they're also yeah. going to be working with Tommy DeVito, quarterback from Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, there's also Tanner Morgan from Minnesota, Aiden O'Connell from Purdue, and Tim DeMorit from Fordham. That's a guy I've never heard of. So that's how we sort of go. That's how we're yeah. going to go about these things. But let's start with the Patriots. Uh, DTR from UCLA. He worked under Chip Kelly, again, at UCLA. He's been there for, I think, five. I think he was a fifth-year senior this year. He started, yes. I think, five years yeah. for the Bears so or the Bruins. So an experienced guy. Again, I don't know how much he relates to necessarily coming to the Patriots, but you never know if they throw a flyer on him. I don't think he's projected to go uh, t 
to be drafted right now. I think he's more of an undrafted project kind of guy. So, I mean, he's a decent prospect, right? I think he's he's shown leadership. He's He has experience out there. So what do you think of DTR? Yeah, so of these five, like the East guys, I'm, we don't need to do a ton on quarterbacks because I don't think they're going to be super right. in, into that this year. The East guy, uh, Aiden O'Connell is a little like Brian Lewerke-ish. Yeah. They need a camp arm. Um, in terms of their guy, Tommy DeVito doesn't do it for me, whatever DTR, even before I saw they were going to be coaching him as a guy, like the one quarterback I look at this year. And I think I could see him here. He played for chip Kelly. We know bill likes chip Kelly. He's has that experience, right? A five-year starter. He brings some athleticism. We've seen them target. He's projected to go undrafted. We've Mm -hmm. seen them go after guys that fit a similar profile the last couple of years, whether it was Jamar Smith, the COVID year, whether it was Danny Etling going back to whatever that was, 18, a guy who had started multiple years, brought a level of athleticism to Eric King last year. And now he's more of a quarterback wide receiver hybrid, but another guy who was experienced, who played in a system they like, you know, bring the guy in valuable practice squad guy, scout team guy with that athleticism gives you something else at the quarterback position you have him in the building, maybe you develop him. He's the one guy, like when we do our, you know, when I always get at, who are the UDFAs? People have to ask me, who are the UDFAs? Yeah. I don't know because I don't know who's getting drafted and who's not. Sometimes it can be tough. DTR is a guy that like, they always, they almost always sign one UDFA quarterback. Yeah. And and we'll see what happens with Brian Hoyer, right? If he's gone, they, they want four arms in camp, at least three, ideally four. So if, if, if it comes down to that UDFA pool, I, I think Dorian Thompson Robinson makes as much sense as anybody for them once they get to that point. I wouldn't pick him. I wouldn't draft right. him. Right. No, they won't. But I could see him as a UDFA, and they'll get a good look at him this week too, so they'll really get a good idea of what he's about. That's what I was just going to say. That's why this Shrine Bowl is huge for them because they don't go in completely blind into those into those UDFA, into those UDFA guys. They literally get a week with a guy like DTR to see how he acts, see how he you know watches right. film and – is he there early? Is he there late? Like, I know it's the Shrine Bowl, but it's an interview for these coaches. So that's an interesting one, I think, for the quarterback room. Um, yeah. Moving on to running backs. The guy that I look at is uh, Mo Ibrahim, Ibrahim yep. from Minnesota. Yep. I He's first on my list for running Yeah, backs. me too. He's he's older, which is tough. I think he's like 24 and running backs. But they go, like go, older go. guys. But they, they've had some of the older draft classes the last couple of years. And they like guys who have a lot of production. In- yeah. I was just going to say, he has 3,000-yard seasons up there at Minnesota. Third in the nation last year in rushing, 1,600 yards. Right. 20 touchdowns. uh, A a bruiser. Um, He's only 5'10", but he he runs hard. You flip on college football on a Saturday and look at uh, Fox at the Big Ten game, and it was like Tanner Morgan throwing the ball and Abraham just running guys over all the time for that team with P.J. Flex. So I I like him as – I don't know necessarily where he's projected to go, but, I mean – uh, like the Shrine Bowl, you look at a team like the Falcons too, even who they don't yeah. really have a, a bell cow running back. They they have a guy in Tyler Algier who they use, but if they like a guy like Mo Ibrahim too, I think that, I mean, he's a, he's a really solid prospect to be at the Shrine Bowl. He's currently, you're probably talking like fourth, fifth round, yeah. early middle, middle of day three, which they'll use a pick on a running back there. They took Ramondre there. They took, uh, people don't pick running backs high. That's Strong not necessarily there. low for a running back. Like running no, backs that's, don't go as high. Right. For that guy, that's about right. And by the way, we're, yeah. 
we're going through every position. This has nothing to do with the needs, and we're just we're we're gonna hit every position. Yeah. So correct. I had I had uh is it Ibrahim or Ibrahim? Ibrahim, I think. Ibrahim, Ibrahim. So I had yeah. him. Man, if he takes off, he becomes good. Ibrahim, it's gonna be a thing. Look um, at Barth. So I I had Look him the kids. The other guy on the on the West team I like, and this one's a little interesting. I was actually surprised to see his name on the list. And Mike, this is a guy I think you're gonna be pretty familiar with. Is yes. Travis Die from USC? Yep. Yep. And he is, if if the Patriots want another true third down back, and I know we kind of painted Pierre Strong into that role last year. He has the skill set to do it, certainly, but he's never done it. He didn't do it in college. Their offense didn't run that way. Right. Travis Die might have been the best pass blocking running back in the nation this year. He's up there. Great receiver, has a good route tree for a running back, runs good routes. Now, the reason his name being on here is interesting to me is he had a knee injury in late November that they never told us what it was. Uh, um, not Lane Kiffin. Um, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley. Thank you. Never told us. All he said was it was season ending, but not career impacting. So he's projected to go late day three undrafted. That might shoot up. If he gets to this game and he goes to the combine and teams check out his knee, and it turns out it's no big deal. Like he should be on skill set. He's definitely a draftable player. Right. And if the, you know, the Patriots, maybe he'll be on the field. Maybe he won't, but they're going to get a chance to talk to him. They're getting a chance to pick his brain. See what he's he's a guy. Yep. Yeah. He's a guy I think makes a lot of, a lot of sense for them. Again, it comes down to where's his knee at. A lot of good names in the chat, by the way, Deuce Vaughn, Eric Gray. We'll get to those guys. This is just shrine bowl players. Shrine bowl. Yep. I'll give you one guy on the East team too, Mike. Is okay. uh, and we're just hammering the Pac-12 right now. Tavion Thomas from Utah, six uh, six two two thirty eight, just Derrick Henry, tough dude to tackle. Like runs yeah. hard, runs hard. He, he was in JUCO for a little bit, came back. He's one of these guys that has like an expansive football background, loves the game. He's expected to go late, maybe undrafted. You want a goal line back? You don't want to burn out Ramondre in the goal line. You just want an absolute wrecking ball of a of a human being. I'll take Tam- Tavion Thomas in the seventh round. Talk oh, yeah. I think he was a team captain too. Like he's got, he's got the head for it. He just, another guy that like, we tier it, right? You know, who are the guys? Bijan Robinson is at the top of these tiers. Now they're not going to use their first round pick on a running back. So Bijan right. Robinson's out. You get a little further down, you get down to like Sean Tucker's the next tier. Dwayne McBride and Ibrahim are kind of that next group. Is he at a, is he from Pitt? And you keep going, and I put Tavion Thomas further down, and then you really go down there. You get into like, um, I I don't even know some of the guys further down, but like that's right. So Ibrahim and uh, Thomas, comparable players. So right. Just how much do you want to invest if you want to bring in that guy? Right. Uh, I see in the chat running backs are a dime a dozen, hard to find. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, and not to call out the chat, but. Just looking at running backs, I feel like running backs in the draft have been very much plug and play across the league over the last few years. You look at guys like Alvin Kamara, who was a third yeah. round pick. Um, Le'Veon Bell, I think, was a third round pick. Like a lot of these guys, like they don't—they're not premier picks anymore. And maybe, maybe they're—I don't think they're a dime a dozen. I think it's a plug and play position. But you draft—they're draft guys because you draft them, you don't re-sign them, and so that's why right. draft running backs are them. so ginormous. You should not. You should not pay a running back on their second contract. And that's why uh, I know they took two running backs last year. Right. If Damian Harris walks, you need a fourth. Like, 
running back is a numbers game. I'm not, you don't need to spend premium assets on running backs, but we saw it this year. You need the depth. You need at least four, probably five running backs to get through a season. What's so funny? The guy responded to me and I, I read oh. his comment wrong. They're not okay. hard to find. You're right, Snap Time. I'm sorry. All I right. apologize. Yeah. Take a lap. Uh, yeah, that's on me. You do, you do need the numbers. You're though. correct. You can't have too right. many running backs. So, again, Maybe this goes back to the tiers. All right. Well, Damian Harris gone. You need a fourth guy. Well, I would like them to have somebody a little more certain behind Ramondre. Give me Muhammad Ibrahim. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, man, they just need a body. All right. Now it's Tavion Thomas, right? That's kind of where, but they, if Damian Harris leaves, I'm just not sold on JJ Taylor. They need, maybe it's Ty Montgomery. I keep forgetting about him. I don't know what his deal is going to be, but they should have five backs in camp. Yeah, I'm not saying, and, you know, if you take Tavion Thomas the seventh round, it doesn't need to make the team, but they should have five backs in camp. Yep, I'm with you. So I guess let's do it. He's on the graphic for a reason. He's a wide receiver. He's yeah, probably the best prospect at the Shrine Bowl, I'd say. Um, best offensive. Best it's, offensive to me, it's prospect. between him and, and Travis Hodges Tomlinson. Those are the two okay. premier, uh, premier players in this. And unfortunately, they're on different teams. Right. So they're only going to go against each other once in the game instead of three times in practice. But right, but so it's a yeah. flowers, Boston College wide receiver. Everybody, by the way, fun fact about Zay Flowers: every single Patriots fan who doesn't watch college football discovered Zay Flowers as yes. a draft prospect. Every yes. single one of you, pat yourselves on the back. You are the one who figured out Zay Flowers might be a good player. So shout out right. to you guys. Yeah, good stuff. Um, but no, I, I've I've loved Zay Flowers. I mean, for the last two years, three years anyway, just because I was a Phil Dracovic guy when he first came here. I thought that you know he could kind of do something in in Chestnut Hill. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Uh, but him and he and Zay Flowers' uh, repertoire was outstanding. An Eagles legend, dominated the ACC. He's an elite route runner. He's quick twitch. I saw a film breakdown of him uh, the other day and he kind of reminded me of Antonio Brown, just of how fast he plays. He's got a great catch he has very sticky hands yeah uh, he's just a stud he he jumps off the page he's only 510 so a little on the shorter side i don't know if he's necessarily a fit for the patriots depending on where they want to go but he's going to shoot up these draft boards they're going to have a lot of time with him this week and we'll see what happens but i would i would love him here because it's a great story and he's again he's the best prospect he's the best prospect in vegas this week so so i have zay on my list too I, yep. I do see a world in which he becomes a Patriot. I just, okay. I think he can be a guy in the NFL. Okay. I don't know that he's becoming the guy. And when I say that, I mean, Jamar. Ch- like, I I think people right. have this idea that like Zay Flowers is this Jamar Chase, uh, Tyreek Hill, Debo Samuel level, like type equivalent where you're getting a yeah. true number one on day one in the second round. I think there is a guy in this draft that fits that description, oddly enough. Now, he's a bit risky, and it's Kayshawn Boutte. Yeah. not participating in this bowl, but, like, if they get, like, if if, if they use a second-round pick on Zay Flowers, you're really asking a lot from him. And I think he's a good prospect. I just don't know that he's going to be that good that quick. Whereas, so, like, this is what it comes down to. I talked about this with Evan today. Mm-hmm. Would you rather, because you're going to, I think, 14 is going to be too high because yeah, it is. if you're taking that player at 14, here we go with the tiers. Zay Flowers is the second level of that player. I'm putting Jordan Addison ahead of him, right? Right. If you're picking at 14, at that point, you're taking Jordan Addison. You're not going to take Zay Flowers. Jordan Addison's a better player. 
Right. You get to 46. Maybe you have to, you might even have to trade up in the second round. You might have to Christian Barmore it. But here's my question. The 46th pick. Would you rather use that pick to take Zay Flowers or trade for Jerry Judy? I heard you guys talking about this today, actually. Uh, and it's Judy. You got you to gotta go Judy. Yeah. Because the Patriots, and I think, I don't know if you said it, but it, it's is where my head goes. They haven't uh, they haven't developed these guys, and you've yeah. seen it. It's a copycat league. These guys go out and trade for your A.J. Browns, your Tyree Kills, your Stephon Diggs. You go right. get the proven guy instead of draft the guy. It, it makes too much sense. You should get Judy. Now, look, I still think Zay Flowers can be good. And you, look, you need a quick slot receiver in Bill O'Brien's offense. That is the right. most important thing. Edelman, Welker, right? Yeah. He can fit that. I just don't know that he's that guy that's dictating coverage. Now, if you somehow went out and got Mike Evans. Right. And you can add Zay Flowers to him. Now we're cooking with gas. Now we're cooking with gas, baby. Like now, yep. here we go. So... He, he this is a senior bowl guy, but I'll like so to keep going down the tiers, right? So Zay Flowers and and Josh Downs kind of in this category too. I'm I'm looking more like can they go get Rakim Jarrett from Maryland? Can they go get Tank Dell from Houston? Where I think you're gonna get similar production right away. And with Mac Jones entering his third year, I think you need that you need to kind of be focused on the now. Whereas Zay Flowers is more of a two to three year projection. Again, yeah. I like the player. I do, but I, and we're, look, we're early in this process. Maybe he comes out this week and just blows the doors off the place. I That's deserve what I'm the right thinking. to change my mind. Yeah. But if he does that, well, now are you talking about he's going at the end of the first round? And now do right. you trade up from 46 or you trade down from 14? And, and what are you doing about tackle? So he's just yeah. in a really tricky spot. If he's good enough to justify the pick, or sorry, if if they can pick him where they're picking, he's probably not a guy who's going to justify the pick. And right. if he's good enough to justify the pick, they can't pick him there. It's like a weird dynamic. It's tough. I, so, I wrote about it this week yeah. on CLNS just with my five players to watch on offense. It's like he's in that he's in an awkward spot where he's fringe first round, second round. Um, he's not quite the top of the receiver class, but the Patriots don't have a pick where he's slotted. So it's almost like, like you said, if they're going to trade up or trade back, it's like they're really uh, dialing in on a guy where yeah. it's almost like it's not going to happen. It just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. So I'll give you a couple more receivers I like here. These guys yeah. are a little later on. And so there, there's the two kinds of slot receivers, right? We talked about Zay Flowers, who's this quick shifty slot receiver, who's probably more the guy they need. Maybe they want to go big slot though, Mike. And okay. if they want to do that, again, we can tier it. You know, the, the top big slot in this class is Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba. You're starting there. And then you're moving down some of the Tennessee guys. You're moving down through Xavier Hutchinson. I really like Jake Bobo for them. Yeah, me too. From Local UCLA. Kid. Somebody beat me to it in chat. Local kid from Concord. There is a little Jacoby Myers in his game. He's not super explosive, but he just, he gets open He's a big guy, 6'5", six, five, five, yeah. He can use all of that. He's almost like a cross between Jacoby and LJ Humphrey. Whereas, like, I could almost see him in that hybrid tight end role, but with more receiving responsibilities than Humphrey had. He's not a guy who's going to give you a lot after the catch. He's not super explosive, but he will get open. He's not the most Jacoby Myers-adjacent player in this draft. That's Charlie Jones from Purdue. We'll get into yeah. him down the road, but... I mean, that's, you know, if they miss out on Charlie Jones, like if they just want a one-for-one -one replacement for Jacoby Myers, 
Jake Bobo could be that guy. And then one other guy, honestly, just a guy I'm a huge fan of. I don't know that they're going to draft him. Project So Bobo's supposed to go like fifth round, sixth round. Uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton, Mike, I think yeah. I've blown you up about this guy. West yeah, Virginia, balled out in the backyard brawl, balled out in like every rivalry game West Virginia had. Big game player, 6'3", 225, jump ball artist. He's an artist, Mike, when it comes to 50-50 balls. The problem is, as a receiver, he doesn't do much besides that. Yeah, This is a guy you're, you're taking in the seventh round as a UTFA, turning into a red zone threat. The one other thing he does bring to the table, though, Mike, he is excellent on special teams, especially as a gunner on the punt team. He has a knack to, to get down the field. And like he did this three, two or three times this year where he got to the returner just as the ball got there, hit him simultaneously, yeah. legal hit. It's a fumble. West Virginia gets the ball back. They're going to need to replace Matthew Slater if he retires. That's Matthew Slater's role. Like Schooler replaced Justin Bethel. I know we think Schooler's here to replace Slater. Well, Bethel left. So... And, and by the way, Flowers, Bobo, Bryce Ford Wheaton, all working with the Pats. Yep. I He's also just, I mean, he's so fun to watch. You just watch Bryce Ford Wheaton. There's like a 10-minute compilation on YouTube of him just mossing guys all season. So, yeah. Uh, personal favorite of mine. Don't know if he's as realistic as the other guys, but somebody I'll be watching. So, one other guy I want to get to that yep. the Patriots are working with is Dallas Daniels. Jackson okay. State. Worked with yep. Dion. Uh, he was Shadur Sanders, who is now the quarterback at Colorado. That kid's a stud, too. I, I don't know who watches. You might watch some Jackson State out there. Um, well, but, you'll see him at Colorado this year. Right, you'll see him at Colorado. I'm just saying, you know, Jackson State finds their way. They went 12-1 and this year. I think they lost their national championship. But Dallas Daniels, he's 6'2". He's 170-ish pounds. Um, he was Jackson State's second-leading receiver. And... According to an SI, actually, draft profile, um, which, again, it's not official, but he ran a 4-3, which is pretty damn fast. So he could be a gadget guy. Um, I just like the fact that he worked with Dion because I really like what Dion Sanders has done uh, from a collegiate level, level, just as far as building programs, right? You yeah. look at – there's guys that just garner respect, like even Herm Edwards, and he's a Belichick guy, right? That's where Nikhil Harry came from. So – don't think Nikhil Harry is Dallas Daniels, but I think with his size, his speed, and the fact that he learned from a high-quality coach in Deion Sanders, I, I would be interested to see a Jackson State guy come here. And I think it's interesting that they'll be working with him out there too this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I'm not as familiar with him. I'm going to, like, some of these guys, I'm going to kind of yeah. look at this week. So I was in that category. I wasn't, frankly, until I saw Jackson State, and so I started to look into him because of so, the Jackson State name. Which And that gets into, if you want to follow the draft, like something as simple as that, that's a great, right. oh, hey, this guy goes to school. I know their coach. Yeah, yep. let me, you know, let me let me look at him more. And by the way, for the record, there's always, whether it's the, the Senior Bowl or it's the Shrine Bowl, there's always, like I go into this week and I have like my 20 guys, and I'm like, I didn't possibly miss anybody. These are all the guys <laughs> worth watching. And right one of my three favorite players is a guy that wasn't even on my radar. Like I'm, I'm trying to remember who it was from the senior bowl last year. I think it was uh, Jalen Watson, the corner from, from Washington okay. state. Who's at, who's with the chiefs now um, didn't have him on my radar going in and then he had a great week. And I was like, Oh no, Jalen Watson's the guy. Like, so there'll be, whether it's what was it, DJ Dallas, right? Is his name? Uh, Dallas, Dallas Daniels. Dallas Daniels. Who's DJ Dallas? DJ Dallas. Dallas he's a running back for the Seahawks. Okay. DJ Dallas. Um, uh, Dallas There'll Daniels. be, I guarantee you, there will be one guy that we, his name won't even be said tonight. 
and I'll come back on the next show and be like, yeah, no, he's the guy. He was the best yeah, guy there. We missed so. him. Uh, so let's continue on. Let's get to fullbacks and tight ends. But before we do, I just want to talk about Rocket Money. RocketMoney.com slash Pat's Beat. Go check it out uh, in the lower third down there. Uh, you probably don't know how much your subscriptions really cost, Alex. Uh, nearly 80% of Americans have subscriptions that they completely forget about. Most Americans think they even think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when actually it's closer to 200 or more. It could be an Amazon Prime account, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, whatever it is, they're draining your bank account. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars a month on subscriptions you didn't even know you were paying for. I don't do that anymore, though, because I now use Rocket Money. It used to be known as Truebill. The app shows you all your subscriptions in one place and then cancels for you whatever you still don't want. They'll even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for, and they could find out that you are actually double charged for a subscription. So you use the app, you put in all your info, and if you want to cancel something, you, there's a big big fat cancel button. You click cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. So get rid of those useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Seriously, it could save you hundreds of dollars per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. All right, let's get back to it. Yeah. Uh, tight end fullback. There's two guys. I think I talked about them last week when the rosters came out, but I want to get back to Jack Coletto again. He's a tight end yeah. slash fullback. And I just think that he's very versatile. Tight he end won. slash fullback slash linebacker. He played linebacker at Oregon State uh, for the yeah. Beavers. So a guy that plays all over the place could come in as a special team or you just look at versatility and it's like, it screams, screams, screams Patriots. And he won the Paul Horning award for the most versatile player. A bunch of Patriots did that in the past. Marcus Jones, Jabril Peppers. Yeah. So I think that I think it's almost like the way they assign these rosters when the things come in, it's like, Oh, we need to give this guy to Bill Belichick because he's going to love him. And he's going to know how to use him. So I'm excited to see what they do with him this week. Well, okay. So they did get him, but they didn't get, um, Derek Parrish. That's fair. The same thing. But there's I, well, another guess, guy who I want to talk I, about in the defense the Pats do have, but continue on. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like Coletto, linebacker, fullback. Now, O'Brien's offense doesn't use a fullback. It, like, it hasn't since he was with the Patriots. He didn't use a fullback in Houston. They use that right. move tight end. John U. Smith is essentially a fullback in Bill O'Brien's offense. So, I'm not totally sold on the idea that they're going back to having a traditional fullback. But if you have a defensive end who you can use in a fullback in, in the fullback role, when you need to go jumbo. Yeah. Might not suck. And I right. like Coletto's projected to go late, right? Or later. Yeah. So you're not going to need to use a premium pick on him. The big thing for me at tight end is Hunter Henry, John Smith, their contracts are up soon. I don't think they need to spend super high on that guy. I no, people want Michael Mayer, and yes, I pronounced his name wrong before. I apologize. I I I know people want Michael Mayer. Picking him as high as you have to pick him, you're not really improving the team in the way you need right. to improve it. Exactly. He's not a guy that's going to dictate coverage. He doesn't add a ton of speed to the offense. What they should look to do at tight end, early, middle of day three, find a project player, let him redshirt for a year behind Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. And then next year, boom, he hits the ground running. That guy to me is Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan. 6'6", 250. He's going to be everybody. He's a big kid from Michigan that's supposed yeah. to go in the fourth round. It's a no-brainer. Right. This is like Marcus Jones last year. We were all taking Marcus Jones with that 97th pick in our mock drafts. Yep. Whatever their first fourth-round pick ends up being, first fourth-round pick ends up being, which we don't know yet because of the comp picks, Everybody right. under the sun is going to have Luke Schoonmaker, 6'6", 250, 
capable receiver, improved as a blocker last year. Get him in the building, let him learn for a year, and let him loose. Like I think that's the that that that's the play. That's the obvious way to go. Yeah. The, the one other guy I have down is if if you uh, like I said before, they don't. O'Brien's probably not going to use that traditional fullback. It's going to be that move hybrid tight end. Right. And there's a guy at Princeton this year, or sorry, at Tennessee. His name is Princeton. Princeton Fant. He's Noah Fant's cousin. He there played that role in the Tennessee offense, that move tight end role. So if you've watched Jalen Hyatt, if you watch Cedric Tillman, this is another guy to look for when you're watching the Tennessee offense. He now, I don't think he has the raw athleticism John o. Smith has, but he profiles as that kind of player. He's supposed to go undrafted. Another guy again. If you remember, we talked about. Uh, Connor Hayward, a ton last year for Michigan State. Same thing. Take right. a flyer on him late. Johnny Smith insurance, basically. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, again, I think it's it's Coletto for the versatility. Again, I don't know yep. if they'll do it, but I like Shoemaker too. I think yep. he's a guy who helped uh, JJ McCarthy uh, this year. He helped. Who was it? Who was Michigan's quarterback last year? It was JJ uh, McCarthy? No, two years ago. The other oh, kid. I can't remember. They looked the same. They look pretty much. Yeah, the same he, like he's that. in the USFL now. I, yeah. I can't remember. Well, anyway, he helped. He it, helped those. He helped those yeah. guys get to two college football playoffs. Um, he's a project, but I like him too. Uh, let's do offensive line. I think the obvious. By the way, just the Patriots are working with all three of those tight ends we named. Yes, correct. So, yeah. um, going towards the offensive line, I think there's an obviously obvious one in Jackson Kirkland, but yeah. the one that jumps out to me for some reason, and it's. Strictly because he didn't play in the NCAA, it's Theo Theo Benedet. He's from the University of British Columbia. He's six seven. Oh baby, six seven, three hundred pounds. I just are we talking some CIF football here. We are talking CIF football. Did the he University play in the Vernier Cup? Columbia. Did he play in the Vernier Cup? Uh, it's a good question. I'm not hundred percent. Do you know sure what the Vernier Cup is? No. So let's let's let you talk about the Vernier Cup for. I mean, you can't figure out what it is from this context. I'm gonna say it's the the national championship for Canadian football. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, I don't know if he's a veneer cup champ, but he's six, seven, he's six, seven, 300 pounds. He's a true tackle. Theo Benedet. Uh, I just, I wonder, they always go against the grain. They, they never will just take the Paris Johnson at 14. Like we all expect them to do. They like, frankly, a guy like Sebastian Vollmer, a guy like, uh, Nate Solder, just these big, Big guys that you can put outside. Trent Brown, six seven two, like a big guy that you can work with who's an athlete, and I think that's Theo Benedet. Um, it's under the radar, again, because he played Canadian college football, and I think the Patriots love just being funky like that. So I think uh, keep an eye on him, especially because they get to work with him because he's on the West roster. By the way, UBC has not appeared in the Vernier Cup since 2015 when they won it okay. over Mo- the University of Montreal. So Oh, no, look- oh I watched that one. Yeah, they'll 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 go for Canadian football players. Drew right. Desjardins, remember last year yeah. they signed from the CFL and he didn't play NCAA football. He played up there in Canada. They had another lineman too, like years ago. Yeah, that came from the CIF, a defensive lineman. I can't remember, but yeah, I mean it's it, it's something they could do. I I think outside of Kirkland, Patriots. at this point we're talking about them doubling up on guys. Yeah, you know, is he a guy they take in addition to right. taking a tackle in the first round? But, right. I I don't expect Theo Benedet to come in and be their starting left tackle, but someone right. someone to be a, a reserve guy potentially. I could see it. Um I'll I'll talk about Kirkland a little bit because yeah. I liked him not uh yeah, Kirkland, sorry. I liked him last year coming out when we were talking yeah. about tackles and in we were going through all those fringe first round guys like um 
what was his name from from Western Illinois, the kid who went to the Saints that was nasty. Uh, I see. Here's the problem. Uh, I've removed all of last year's draft. Yeah, from it's my gone. Head now. When we were you talking about it, and you plug in this year, yeah, Trevor Penning, Bernard yeah, Trevor Raymond, Penning. Daniel Fulaley. We were talking about those guys, right? Jackson Penning was Kirkland, Northern Iowa, right? Penning? Northern Iowa. What I say, Western yeah, Illinois, okay. whatever. Uh, uh Jackson Kirkland. I know, right? <laughs> Jackson Kirkland was supposed to be in that group, and yeah. that he was an all all Pac-12 left tackle at the University of Washington, and then he had an ankle injury, and he was basically like, "Well, I." can't do the combine. I can't do the senior bowl. I'm going to go back to school and do another year and like ensure I'm a first round pick. Then Washington's offensive line kind of fell apart and they yep. ended up moving him to left guard. And it wasn't because he was failing at left tackle. It was the only combination that worked. So guy in a draft year, moving from left tackle to left guard team player, check that. But he had a great year at left guard, really good year at left guard. But now the question is, okay, is he a guard long-term? Is he a tackle? I mean, he's built to play guard. He's, I have it here somewhere, 6'7", 340 pounds. That's not really a left tackle in the NFL. Maybe it's a right tackle. Right now, he's kind of a, a fringe day two pick. It's going to be really interesting to see what the Patriots do with him this week. Do they play him at guard? Do they play him at tackle? Do they play him Screams at Screams Isaiah Wynn to me. Which tackle spot do they play him at? I He's not in consideration at 14. But if they do go with a receiver, if they do go with a corner and they trade that second round pick, now he's a guy you're talking about as being one of the top tackles available when we get into the third round, right? So yeah. if he, if they see him as a tackle, if they see him as a guard, not so much. Now, maybe he falls further and they see a guy that, hey, he can play tackle, he can play guard. We had no offensive line depth last year. Let's just bring him in as a jack-of-all-trades sixth offensive lineman. Let's bring him in as Adrian Waddle. There are so right. many different ways his projection can go. And I, I love players like that. And I, following them, I wouldn't draft exclusively those players, but they're fun to follow. Yeah. Let's see how it goes from this week, because this is when it starts. And, and yeah, there's going to be a lot to talk about with him. The one other guy I'll throw on is Dalton Wagner. He's kind of budget Jackson Kirkland. He was supposed to also come out last year, would have been like a mid-round pick, went back to school. Now he's supposed to be a late pick. Just five-year starter. Like, there's no real ceiling. He's a solid offensive lineman. He's a guy you're going to have around, and they need depth. You're not drafting him to step in and be left tackle, but if they've already taken a tackle, right? Because the let's say Yadni Kajust doesn't come back either. So Trent, Trent's gone. Isaiah Wynn's gone. Yadni Kajust is gone. Marcus Cannon's got like you need bodies. There's now. gonna be a real yeah, there's gonna be turnover right. in that room. And and I don't know that they want to load up on rookies, but he's a guy that like if you need him to spot start a game, yeah, you can probably live with that. You like that one on the from the chat? So so the comment says Alex is like an incognito Patriot scout. The irony of that is the Patriots actually have a notoriously small draft board. The players that they deemed most teams are a couple hundred players. Yep. The Patriots draft board in terms of players they deem draftable is reported to be like around 80. So Interesting. I run it up as a numbers game. Now I probably become as familiar with as many players as they do. Like the guys that are on that board, they dive way deeper into than I have time. Right. To. Like if I were to dive that deep into players, I'd get to maybe five or 10. And you wouldn't but, sleep. Right. 
I also don't have access yeah. to those players like the Patriots do. So, like, right. Nicobe Dean's a perfect example. We're all thinking Nicobe Dean should be a first-round pick last year. He falls the fourth round. Turns out he had a shoulder injury that none of us knew about. Right. I would have had him as draftable. I'm wondering why the Patriots don't. Suddenly, okay, that makes sense. But that is an interesting thing to know, just for some background. The Patriots draft board is notoriously small. Right. I, it doesn't really help you project one way or the other. It's just an interesting thing to think about when you go through this. They totally. are thinking about less players than you are. They know about more players than you do, but they are seriously considering drafting less of them than you probably are. They really or than might. I probably they narrow. Right. Right. Um, let's head over to defense. Defensive tackle. There's a guy that uh, jumped out at me. I watched some of his film. Uh, okay. He went to UT Chattanooga. He's a great pass Oh, boy. Devon oh, boy. Devon taking Maxwell. us back to UT Chattanooga. Yeah, Nuga, baby. I love it. Shout out T.O. Um, Devon Maxwell. Shout out T.O. Uh, Shout out Cole Strange. Yeah, that too. That's fair. I, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to go first round with UT Chattanooga. That's like the, remember the Sean McVay video with him and, uh, UT, cause that's how I say it now, yeah. UT, UT Chattanooga, Chattanooga to the first wow. round. Yeah. How I say it well, now, UT Chattanooga. I like it. Uh, well, Hey, Devontra Maxwell, he's a high quality. The Patriots front is already really solid with yeah. Lawrence guy, with Dietrich wise, with obviously Christian Barmore. Yeah. Uh, when they bring Uche and, uh, drew it on off the edge. Their front's high quality. So you're not looking to, I mean, you're always looking to improve that, but you don't need to go first round, second round, even third round really for your front. But Devontra Maxwell, he's a very high quality pass rusher. He was the SoCon player of the year this year. He has UT Chattanooga and the SoCon's uh, career sack record with 37 and a half. So he gets after the, he gets after the quarterback, I think for a rotational piece, uh, he's a high quality athlete. He's kind of, he's raw, but he's a good pass rusher. And I think that's, that's huge. That's a huge attribute from a defensive tackle. Okay. Uh, I'll give you a guy. The Patriots are working with first. I actually didn't go with any true nose tackles okay. guy. I really like from Pittsburgh, uh, Habakkuk Baldonado, six, five, two, six, defensive end. <laughs> How I think it's Habakkuk H A B A K K U K Habakkuk Baldonado. He's Italian. <laughs> Oh. 6'5", 260. He had he led the From team Pitt. in sacks. Okay. So he led the team in sacks last year with nine. We have a guy who's approaching draft eligibility. Hey, I just had a great year as a pass rusher. Like, I'm going to double down on that. These are the guys that get paid. What did he do? At least from what it looks like externally, and I'll be asking him about this. He went into the lab and worked on his run defense. Okay. And, and like, his sack number went down a little, but he became a much better run defender. He just started playing much more sound football. I, you know, I watch him between the frame, between the play style, the motor. From what I've seen, his teammate this is a guy his teammates absolutely love. Reminds me a little bit of Dietrich Weiss. Okay. Can play, you know, is going to be an end. But if you need to play him in the interior in some passing situations, like obvious passing situations, can maybe get away with it here and there. I also, like, I always find these guys interesting. I mentioned he's from Italy. He's only been playing football for about five or six years now. Okay. And you can tell he's still learning the game. There's still a lot of room for him to grow his game. So projected to go early on day three. I love the base. I think he has good upside. It's a position they can coach. I'll, and they're going to be working with him. He's a guy, like, I, I said we're kind of just throwing names against the wall. This is a guy that I'm saying, all right, this is somebody I really think they're going to narrow in on. 
They don't traditionally draft pit players. That's the one thing working against me. Although Narduzzi does a good job defensively. Yeah. But I, I, I like Baldonado. I'll give you a couple on the other team too here real quick. Uh, Dante Stills is a defensive tackle from West Virginia. I've been waiting for this guy to declare. I had him on my list two years ago. And he keeps going back to school. He's a defensive tackle, 6'4", 290. He's like Christian Barmore light. He's one of these okay. athletic, quick, interior pass rushers. You're going to put him on the field on third down. Uh, he comes from an NFL bloodline as well as dad played in the league. Take a guy like that in the sixth or seventh round. Just, you know, when Barmore got hurt, they dropped off a little bit. And they had Daniel Aquale, but he's a free agent. So say like a Daniel Aquale replacement, right? Late on day three. Uh, Dante Stills from West Virginia is a guy I like. And the other one I had under defensive line was Derek Parrish. I don't know if you wanted to talk about him. I thought you I don't have to that before. No, I, no, no, no. I was talking about someone else on the Okay, line. so D- Derek Parrish is a he's team captain at Houston, and we know they love Houston now, right? Two guys last year. Play defensive end, linebacker, and fullback. That's We talked about it with Coletto. Like, they're going to yeah. like those, those guys. He was hurt all of last year. So again, we'll see. It's kind of like with Travis die. We'll see what his participation is, but he'll be there. They'll talk to him. Yeah. He's on the other team, but they'll talk to him. So he's a name to know. So quick one on the defensive line um, slash yeah. edge really is Truman Jones from Harvard, just because he's a Harvard okay. guy. You talk about locally six, four, you're, you're six. really narrowing in on the small schools here. I like that. You got to do it. It's the, it's the shrine bowl. It's the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's talent everywhere. Um, I just think local kids, six sacks this season. Um, he's 6'4", 240, uh, so a little light, I guess, but um, he played there for four years, I believe, uh, 14 total sacks. Um, but then getting into linebackers and where you were going with the versatility, Boston College, local again, Jaden Woodby. Yeah. He played okay. – uh, he was a he was a defensive back uh, for the Eagles under um, – why can I not think of their head coach's name now? Halfley? Uh, oh, yeah, Jeff Halfley. Yeah. defensive guy so he was a defensive back there um he had 79 tackles during his fifth year this year uh he's 6'2 220 uh but he's transitioning to linebacker so that another thing that streams versatile like you look at kyle duggar kyle duggar if you put on a few more pounds could play linebacker in this league they look for guys like that guys who can switch from uh sort of a front seven two back to the backfield that um that jack they call it like the jack of all trades the the jack basically yeah. um so they might look for a guy like Jaden Woodby. Again, just you look at local connections with Belichick and Halfley too. So that's my one linebacker that stood out was Woodby, and he's on the Patriots team too. Uh, for the guy who just mentioned lacrosse in the chat, lacrosse in the chat, wait until we get to the senior bowl I have one for you. But okay. <laughs> I had uh, Muhammad, uh, I think it's Diabate from okay. Utah, transfer from Florida, 6'4", 222. They keep trying to get this like athletic coverage middle linebacker, right? Whether it's... Uh, you, know, you know, drafting Cameron McGrone, signing Raquan McMillan, trading for Mac Wilson. Uh, uh, McGrone's gone now. Wilson and McMillan are pending for agents. So Diabate, I think, is the closest to that on their team. Again, 6'4", 222, day three pick. He he needs to be a more consistent, like, rusher. Like, he can cover. He needs to be more consistent against the run, rushing the passer, to really fit into that role, but a guy they'll get a chance to work with. I love two of the linebackers on the other team for them, Mike. I'm bummed they're not working with these guys. One of them is Robert Beal from Georgia. Another Patriots trend here. They like guys that, they'll target guys who were highly thought of out of high school, like five-star high school recruits 
who maybe don't pan out in college and see if they can tap into that. Yep. Uh, Michael and Wenu was a guy like that. JC Jackson was the, the number one recruit in his class at one point. I don't think he finished there. I think he finished second or third, but, and they, they maximize these guys. So Beal came into Jack Georgia. Jones was like that too. Um, Jack Jones, it another one. It yeah. wasn't performance wise, but it was for off field well, stuff. But yeah, JC Jackson's kind of the same way. It's not always performance wise. Right. Robert right. Beal went to Georgia, was this highly touted edge rusher. He'd be an outside linebacker for the Patriots and, you know, get after the passer. And he never, look, it's a tough defense to crack. You talk about all the talent there. He never got beyond a rotational role. He did have some flashes though. Like there is, he's real quick on that first step real quick. That's a guy that, Hey, you know, we can get him on day three. He was a, a, a highly touted recruit. You bring him in, you know, if you're going to lose Josh Uche to free agency or whatever. So that's a guy I think they look at highly touted high school recruit who didn't pan out in college. And now we go the complete other direction. The okay. guy that flew under the radar in high school and balled out in college. And that is Caleb Murphy from Ferris state. He won the Cliff Harris award this year for the best non D one player in college football. The last two winners of the Cliff Harris award before him, Mike were Kyle Duggar and Sam Roberts. What do those two guys have in common? And Roberts, by the way, also was in the Shrine bowl last year. Yep. So I look, I don't Ferris state's D two. I get the numbers are inflated. I don't care what level you're playing at. 25 and a half sacks in 15 games is impressive. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, there's something there. I'm not saying he's going to do that in the NFL. Right. But, and I haven't seen a ton of him because he's a fair estate. This is a guy I'm going to be watching very closely this week. He's, like, there's something there. I don't I don't know what it is yet. But, look, they've taken the last two Cliff Harris Award winners, and now they're up close and personal with this one. He's right. a name to know. He's a name to have on the list. All right. I like it. Um before we wrap with the secondary and a kicker, uh, I do want to quickly talk about LinkedIn, Alex. Um, yeah. It's linkedin.com slash beat. Uh, if you just give me a second to pull that thing up on here, if I can find it. There we go. LinkedIn.com slash beat. Um, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. And you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the, those qualified candidates um, that you deem available. And that's... Or, yeah, that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people you want to talk to faster and for free. We use LinkedIn Jobs here at CLNS Media, and we truly can't recommend it enough. It's super easy to post your job. Then you just add the listing and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. We're now into January, and it's the perfect time to add that right team member to start your 2023 strong. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn.com slash beat. Okay. Um, corners, I know there's a guy you want to talk about who was a college football playoff participant, um, but I quickly want to do Jalen Williams from Indiana. Okay. Because... Boundary corner is a need for this team. Yes. And, and there's a lot of big corners in this class and right. in this, at the Shrine Bowl. So There is. Um, Williams is six feet, and it looks like he may measure a little under that. He just doesn't feel that that tall. Jalen Mills. bigger than he is. Yeah, he plays bigger than he is. Like, Jalen Mills is six feet. He plays bigger than that. Yeah. Um, so Jalen Williams kind of reminds me of that. He's aggressive. Um he gets to the ball and he doesn't get beaten coverage very much. He's like a high quality coverage defender out of Indiana. Um, watched him on a few Saturdays. He defended uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. actually relatively well a couple times. So 
I just think, again, it depending on where they go in the offseason, right? We look at that number 14 pick and we talk about offensive tackle, wide receiver, boundary corner. Depending on where they go, I look at Jalen Williams as a guy that you could at least bring in here um, day two, day three, and use him as a developmental piece because they're really good at developing this position already. So Jalen Williams from Indiana is my guy. All right, I'll, I'll give you a couple big ones before I get to the, who I think is one of the most fascinating prospects in this yeah. class. On the Patriots roster, Miles Brooks, Louisiana Tech, 6'2", 198, transferred yep. from Stephen F. Austin last year. Was excellent most of the year. Allowed just 37.7% of the passes his way to be completed. Uh, track athlete, so he can move. It's kind of like how I felt about... So, all right. Let me preface this by saying, like, Tyreek Woolen was on another level with this. But yep. my evaluation... And by the way, thanks to everybody who's giving me credit for identifying Tyreek Woolen. I appreciate it. My whole thing with Tyreek Woolen, and Evan hated this. Because that's not how football works, but it kind of is in the modern era. Okay. If he's that big and that athletic, just get him in the building. Especially if you can right. get him in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Just get him in the building and figure it out from there. He's clear. He clearly can do something right. So I look at a guy like Miles Brooks, who's projected to be a mid-day three pick. We're talking like 150 to 200, right? 6'2", 198, track star, impressive ball production in college. Just get him in the building, especially for a team that can coach up corners. Now, what's going to be interesting with him, so he comes from Louisiana Tech, which is a group of five school. He had two power five games this year. Played very well against Missouri. Okay. And then he, he did struggle against Clemson. There were five of 10 targeting him for over 100 yards and a touchdown. I am going to be interested to see him against Flowers, against Bobo, against Bryce Ford, against these power five receivers. Right. on the other side and see how he holds up, especially Bobo in, especially Bobo, in like those bigger guys. Flowers is a mismatch for him. He's never going to cover that guy at the NFL level, but the, the, how does he look against these X receivers? There's an equivalent player to me on the East team. That's Lance Boykin. Same thing. Six, three, 200 great motor, elite athlete, big long arms. He's coming from coastal, right? Yep. How does he match up against the top talent? And, and if he looks good enough, with that build, with that athleticism, just get him in the building. All right, now let's do Travis Hodges Tomlinson. Yep. He is probably, you talk about Keely Ringo all you want, you can talk about Joey Porter Jr. all you want. In terms of just technical ability, he is the most technically skilled corner in this draft. But he's a projected fourth-round pick. Why? Because he's 5'8". And right. he's played exclusively on the exclusively on the boundary at TCU. Actually, if any, he played a little safety. He didn't even play in the slot. He played safety on the boundary. So, but it was like 680 of like 710 snaps on the boundary. If you draft him, you are either committing to playing a 6-8, a 5-8. I think I said 6-8 before. You're either committing. Oh, you to said 5-8. I did. Yeah. You are committing to playing a 5-8 corner on the boundary or you're having him learn a new position. Right. And in a league that's getting very big at wide receiver, 5'8 corner is a boundary corner is a little scary. Now the Patriots specifically, are they going to look at the success they had with 5'10 Jonathan Jones on the boundary and 5'8 Marcus Jones on the boundary and say, oh, we can make this work. We're going to get a guy with first round talent in the fourth round and we can work around his height. In a bubble, that's not necessarily a bad plan, but they have Marcus Jones. Right. 
They already have right. that guy. Yeah. They might still have Jonathan Jones. They need the size of the position. If they go out and get a big corner elsewhere, maybe you can convince me of it. But I just look if if if, if Tomlinson comes out and is just owning like six three wide receivers this week, the evaluation changes massively. Right. But you can't as talented as he is, and I think he's tremendously talented. He won the Thorpe Award this year as the top corner in the nation. You can't teach size. So it's going to be very interesting to see how his development plays right. out here. You want to see how he can match up against these guys. And, you know, he did it. Right. He, obviously, I don't want to even say he held his own in college. He was the best corner in the nation, and his team went to the college football playoff and the national championship. So, like, again, you, you're right. You can't teach size. But if you can play, you can play, and you can adjust, and you can cover guys if you have if you have hops, if, you have, if you're technically sound, which he is. So that'll be interesting. And, it's again, this is why – I think I've said it three or four times today, but it's why these being a coaching staff at the Shrine Bowl is so important. You get right. in front of these guys for five, six days and learn what their tendencies are. You get to literally put helmets on them and let them run, you know, run routes against each other. And, you know, they're not going to hit this week, but you get to see how they play football. And that's why the one on ones. I mean, it's right. like training camp. The one on ones are so valuable. Yeah. So valuable for this stuff. Yeah. So um, he's an interesting one. Do you yeah. have any more corners before we head to safety? Uh, no, I have a couple safeties. I have two okay, safeties. so my one safety, I think you have him too, uh, but Trady in the third from yeah, Florida. Yeah. Uh, I just think he's another guy who's raw. Like, he's very raw, and but he's an athlete. He's six. He's 6'3", 205, I think, so he's a little on the thinner side, but he's tall. And when you look at this team with, you know, they they've their safety room has been sort of their bread and butter and one of their yeah. better rooms, but McCourty's probably gone. I don't really look at Josh Bledsoe as an asset. So Adrian Phillips is on the older side. So really you only have Kyle Duggar and maybe Phillips. Um, so I think that you bring in a guy like Trey Dean, the third, um, a little bit of familiarity with Florida. I know they've had some turnover, um, but I don't know. I, I think he's someone to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, I'm sure you can go into a little bit more detail yeah. on him, but I think he's, he's, he's raw, but he's an athlete. And I think they'd like his tools. No, that's a pretty good summation. I like the versatility. He was mainly yeah. box safety, started playing corner, started playing some deep safety. I wonder if they draft him. If Remember they had that package last year defensively when they went up against some of those bigger teams where they would put Kyle Duggar out as the boundary corner? Yeah. Like Trey Dean is built like a corner. He has some that's experience the, there. Isn't that the formation when Duggar had the pick six on Derek Carr when he was playing boundary corner? No, no. They were doing it against Oh, no, like he jumped Bengals. it. He jumped it. Okay. Yeah, they okay. were doing it against the Bengals. Anyway, like... Like as a hybrid, like boundary corner, deep safety kind of thing, I could see it. He can play in the box as well. It's tough because their biggest need for me at safety, I don't hate getting a box safety to add some depth, especially with Duggar in a contract here. Their biggest need is a true free safety, which is so hard to find. There is one guy, he's on the other team, he's on the East team, but a guy I'll be watching, Gervarius Owens, shocker okay. from Houston. Kind of really all in on the Houston program yeah. here. But they're going to be a power five program in what, a year or two years? Yeah. Um, really good athlete has the, the athleticism to play single high. So that's, I, I wish he was on their team because he looks like a Patriots safety. He looks like a Patriots free safety. And he's a guy I think that they would like a close look at yeah. one thing I'm going to ask. And I don't know that I'll get an answer to this when I'm out there. And this okay. could tell us a lot. I don't know how they pick the teams. I thought East West was literally guys from East colleges and guys from West colleges. It did used to be that, but yeah, you have UCLA, Jake Bobo with BCZ flowers on the same team. So that's out the window. Yeah. I, I don't know if like 
the Shrine Bowl just, all right, one here, one there, one here, one there, or if the coaches have a say in who they get. That would because be it would be it would be really interesting if like Bill was like, hey, let me work with this guy. Hey, let me work with that guy. Yeah. So I'm going to try to find that out when we're there. But this is one where like, I bet if they had a choice, the Patriots would have liked to work with Javarius Owens. Just a hunch. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm, I'm looking at names and positions right now, just at the yeah. rosters. And you look at Christian, Christian Eisen from Rutgers. They like yeah. Rutgers guys. Um, no. So here's the thing. That's kind of a anomaly. Like they haven't drafted a guy from Rutgers in over 10 years, but they've, they're always around. And like, you look at, um, I mean, even Greg Schiano when he was here, like they just, they That's seem the to think. So it's, yeah. it's back now because Shiano's back. When Shiano wasn't there, Bill wanted nothing to do with Rutgers. Yeah, right. So like you said, Shiano's back there. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But that's that's an interesting yeah. one from safety. Um, specialists, I know Jake Moody, uh, Michigan kicker. I think he was a two-time All-American. So he's um, he's someone to – I don't know where they're at with Nick Folk. Um, he's getting up there in age, but he's still been consistent. So they could look at a guy like Moody. Um, yeah. And then Michael Turk, the punter from Oklahoma, too. That's who they're working with, I believe. So those are names to keep an eye on because they're going to be in the market for a punter as well, you would think, with the Bailey suspension. I, I don't think that's right. going to end well here. So, um, But what are your thoughts on the specialists? Yeah, Moody, the biggest thing with him, they like guys with experience kicking in inclement weather, right? They yeah. they chose, what's his name, the the guy with the tattoo over uh, Roar Wasser, thank you, over, it's probably, it's probably a better way to refer to him, but... They took him over yeah. Tyler Bass. They took yep. him over Goggles. It's it's a long show. Um, yeah. Blankenship, Rodrigo Blankenship, because yeah. those two guys kicked in the South. And and Rohrwasser didn't, right? right? So same thing. They went with Nick Falk when they had all those free agents because he kicked in New York for right. all those years. So there are some other good kickers in this draft, but Moody, Noah Ruggles would be the other one from Ohio State. They've kicked in that bad weather. As for Michael Turk, dad played in the NFL, or I think it's his uncle, actually, sorry, played in the NFL, but... 47.2 yards per punt during his college career. That's the most by any college punter since 2000. Kid's got a boot. Yeah, he does. We'll see how well he can control it. You know, I'll have my stopwatch going. Oh, yeah. But uh, both of those guys are, you know, they're going to need both positions. It's guys they're getting a close look at. I think the other punter is from what, Wingate? The other punter uh, is from like an NAIA school. Yes, Wingate. Ethan yeah. Evans. Yeah. And I, who's the other kicker? Do you have it there? Andre. Andre. Oh, Andre Smizen Sis from Smizen. Yeah. Sizman. All right, he's from Syracuse. He kicked in a dome. So you can yeah. write him. They're not drafting a dome kicker, but right. um, these two, the two on there, they got the two that realistically, I think they would be more interested in, uh, right. in, in, in Moody and Turk. Um, yeah, I agree. That's another one that you think maybe they have a say in their roster. Right. Because a guy in Turk who it was, it was Matt Turk. Didn't he play for the, um, the yeah, Ravens? he played for a bunch of teams. Yeah, but Ravens were one of them. And yeah, that's one where, you know, here we go. Oh yeah, no, they drafted the teams. Bill, the first two guys he made sure he was working with, right? He let he let the, yes. the Falcons get, get these other guys. He took Moody right. and Turk. He wanted to work with yeah. them more than anybody else. Oh, that's good stuff. Uh yeah, yeah it wouldn't it, I would not put it past him. Maybe not this year's Bill that seemingly had the talking to from Robert Kraft and said, We need to bring in this, this, and that. But a couple years ago, Bill would probably pick a kicker over a guy like Zay Flowers. So um there you have it. I think that's right. our roster analysis. We just went Good about show. an hour and a half here on Patriots Beat. So I appreciate you guys all uh, listening to us rant and rave about these guys. This is what happens during draft season. I was going to say, these are going to get longer and longer. And that's okay because this is an off-season show. So we appreciate you guys sticking around. 
populating that chat and uh, learning with us, frankly. So Alex is heading out to Gillette State, uh, to Gillette, to Gillette to in the morning. To Vegas, to Vegas. To head to out Vegas. to Vegas. Yeah. Um, heading to Vegas this week. So follow him on Twitter, at Real Alex Barth. You can catch yeah. all his coverage for 98.5 um, and Patriots.com. So, yeah. so be, Evan, me and yeah. Evan will be doing daily podcasts okay. for Catch 22 um, starting on maybe there'll be one Friday. We're not sure. We have to kind of get the schedule, but Saturday, Sunday, Monday for sure. And then probably Tuesday. Um, they won't. I know some of you have found our show on YouTube and I appreciate that. Uh, just because of the setup and we're on the road, it's going to be audio only. So they'll all be there. You just have to go get them on patriots.com or really subscribe to to catch 22 podcasts wherever you get your podcast but yeah we'll be there daily and uh at some point i'll be back with mike to recap it all yep i was gonna say well uh i am covering it virtually i got some credentials from the shrine bowl um just i was gonna day, say did so. you do the virtual credentials yeah so i'll right, be uh breaking down some practice i'll uh follow me on twitter at mike Cadillac. i'll do a bunch of breakdowns there um following along with you know the coaches interviews and the players interviews as well so uh, make sure to keep tabs on us. We'll have you covered there. And then when Alex is back, we will recap what happened out there in Vegas. So again, thanks for listening. Um, big show, big show. Good stuff. The off season's good stuff, here. Good stuff. Uh, we'll be back next week. So again, follow us on Twitter, read our stuff, 98.5 CLNS. Uh, and we'll be back next week to talk about the tribal. Thanks guys.